I try to pitch most of my process improvements as a test. Hey, I made this change. I think it's going to be great. Could be total garbage. Um, and we're going to see how it goes. And I will correct you along the way if you're not following the process, right? So here are some details. Don't worry about memorizing it. I'll kind of be that police saying, hey, thanks for dropping this in, but you actually need to drop it in over here now, right? Just a heads up and kind of treat it as someone is, if they're new, that's how we would, we would onboard them. But kind of making these little tweaks here and there without telling people is a bit challenging because people will notice and then they're gonna think every time I go into this tool, something is different and something looks different. And how can I ever do it right in Carrie's way if Carrie's way is always changing? The pursuit of, of excellence is something we're all striving towards. I want you to focus on what you do best. You need to have an approval. How many approvals? What are the steps? It's really about listening. If it's not documented, it's, it's not done. Thanks for tuning into In Systems We Trust, the show where we dive into all things systems and processes and hear from the professionals that are using them to change the landscape of their organizations every day. Today, I'm talking with Carrie Hoffman. Carrie is a project manager with more than 10 years experience. She can project manage anything from your startup business to your personal to-do list. Carrie started her career managing two floor plans at Calicchio & Sons, a three-star restaurant in Chelsea, before moving on to Seamless Grubhub, where she managed projects on products, engineering, account management, and sales over the course of six years. Carrie's love of food parallels her love of fitness. Carrie's desire to reach her step goal and her life goals led her to ClassPass, where she currently serves as the head of global project management and ops. Carrie now brings project management to companies, small teams, co-founders, and individuals. With her desire to always charter new frontiers, Carrie is an expert at bringing order to chaos in all areas of your life. Thank you so much for being on the show today, Carrie. Thank you so much for having me. Good. I'm so glad. So you're currently the head of global project management um, and ops at ClassPass. Wow. Um, such a big title. So many um, things that you're responsible for. Why don't you tell us more about, you know, what ClassPass is, what they do, what industry you find yourself in, and more about what the organization does. So ClassPass is a fitness-based company um, and also a technology company. So for a lot of individuals, they may find a gym that they like, that's where they go. They, they find a routine at that gym. But the founder of ClassPass, Pyle Kadakia, she found that people were really interested in trying a lot of different things, right? They wanted to do yoga and hit and cycling. And, you know, the, the boutique fitness industry has really boomed over the past, you know, five to 10 years with studios popping up everywhere. And we found that more people, they didn't want to find a home. They wanted to jump around and take on all of those experiences. So at ClassPass, you are a member of ClassPass, which gives you access to all of these different opportunities for fitness in your area and in all the areas that you travel to, right? So every time I go on a trip, I can go to Vancouver and I can take a class pass class, even though I'm based in New York. So it really gives our users the 
the option to not become a member of a gym, but become a member of a community where they have access to do whatever they want, whenever they want. So when the workday ends at six and you're free, you said, where do I want to go? You could open up the app and you can find a class um, that works for you. So that's what we do at ClassPass. Uh, Me specifically, I'm on the marketing team at ClassPass and I run our project management and our operations. ClassPass is a global company. So we work with studios across the world, right? We are in Singapore and Australia and in London and in the US and in Canada. Uh, so we are we are marketing to users everywhere, which means that we're marketing to all different types of users who have different needs, different goals. Uh, they have a different relationship with our founder story uh, and they're all looking to explore fitness where they are. So on um, our charge on the marketing team is to find ways to market to all of these different buckets of users and to all of these different types of studios. So I've had the opportunity to take several classes uh, across the pond and and they look different from classes here, right? And so we have to find a way to speak to studios uh, in all of these different regions. What, what a very timely product offering as well. I mean, uh, we know ClassPass has been around for, for a long time, but I mean, I can only imagine the uptick in memberships and, and sign-ins and daily active users you've seen um, with, with COVID, right? So, so how has that changed your messaging, your approach, your tone? Um, and, and what do things really look like in, in this you know, COVID world? Are they any different? Are people just as engaged? Tell us more about that. Yeah, so the, things look pretty different um, in this COVID world because so many people are working out at home, right? Mm-hmm. And our kind of main value prop when when we started at ClassPass was go to studios all over the place, go to many different studios, right? And now the message with the pandemic is don't go anywhere, don't go, anywhere. <laughs> go to as few places as possible. Um, if you're someone who has done outdoor dining or maybe explored different stores, every place has a policy, they follow different guidelines, there's hand sanitizer here, there, you're learning what the rules are. So for ClassPass, if you were used to going to seven or eight different studios, if you still are able to do that uh, in the area of the world that you're in, you know, you have to brush up on all of those policies, which can be a lot of work. And a lot of our markets are still shut down for fitness or are open for very limited capacity. So when the pandemic started, we really had to do what most people did, which is pivot to online, right? Can people work out at home and how can we bring class pass home? And the way to do that was to allow our studio partners to offer their live stream classes on our platform the same way that they would offer their in-person classes. So if you were used to going to the fitting room in Flatiron or Conbody on the Lower East Side, Mm. those studios, they were filming classes. You could book them on ClassPass with credits the same way you would if you could go in studio. These studios have done an amazing job. They're on the chat. They're calling out your name, right? Mm -hmm. I did a class Sunday and the instructor said, Carrie, I see you, which was good because I was kind of goofing off and I needed that confirmation that, that he could see me. But it's also opened up uh, the opportunity for our users to take classes at studios they would never go to Mm -hmm. because they're not in their area. So if you went to block fitness, when you were abroad, you can now do that at home. And maybe their class actually live streams 
at a really good time for you. It's maybe it's lunch in the UK, but maybe it's breakfast time where you are and you can take those classes. So we've had to pivot uh, to offer those live stream classes. And we've also had to spend a lot of time communicating with our studios and communicating with our users what our plans are to keep them safe. Because unlike a big box gym that can send out mass comms, you know, to mm -hmm. everyone that goes to that gym, we're talking to people who go to several different gyms. And we're talking to studios that are getting users coming in and out um, all day. So it's really been, you know, a daily process of working with our studios, learning from them, connecting them with each other so they can learn from each other and constantly pushing this message out to our users who we know some are really eager to get back into class, but others are still really hesitant and they wanna see those options at home continue. Hmm. What a great like thing you're doing and a great option for people who, you know, like you said, we can't go anywhere, we're stuck, right? And out of respect for you, I, I won't say the name, but, you know, um, at the beginning of COVID, there was this specific app that, you know, I'd find myself signing into day in yes. and day out. And that lasted for about three weeks before, um, you know, um, went, went to different routines. But, you know, there's something that's really special about being able to connect with, with people that way and, you know, be, wanting to be active in those communities, you know, to to connect with others. So, um yeah, no doubt you have your, your your plate full, you know, trying to figure out how to navigate all of that. Curious to know, what does a typical week look like for you? I mean, you're, you're the head of global project management and ops. And if I understand, you've you, you just um, been promoted in, into that role. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, so walk us through that. Yeah. So a typical week, um, always it always starts Monday morning in Asana. And mm. it's... Uh, somewhere between one and four hours trying to uh, first catch up, right? So I'm based in New York, um, but we have teams in Singapore, we have teams in London and Germany. So their workday has already started and they're mm -hmm. already cranking. And, you know, I got a message at nine o'clock this morning from someone in France saying, I put two new projects in, have you looked at them? I'm like, oh, nope, still waking up, but I will certainly get to it. Uh, so my, my day and my week always starts in Asana, uh, mm. figuring out where are we with all of the different projects that we have going on. So every single project that we work on lives in an Asana project, whether it be related to our growth team, um, our social content, calendar, holiday planning that we're, that we're working on. Um, every, every task uh, lives within one of those projects. And then anything that requires creative is going to get passed my way to start uh, going through the prioritization process and seeing if we have the resources available. Uh, after kind of the Monday cleanup, usually the early part of the week uh, is when we focus on having our team roadmaps. So we have roadmaps for B2B, uh, for conversion rate optimization, for growth marketing. We use this time to review how we're doing and what tests we plan to run and projects we plan to take on. Mm -hmm. Those meetings are uh, well attended and highly attended. Um, so these are a lot of our higher ups that are the stakeholders in these meetings. And this is their opportunity to say uh, whether or not we're going in the right direction and to weigh in on those priorities. So we have a pretty good system in place for making sure that we are working on the right things and working kind of towards our, our OKRs. Um, the middle of the week is probably when we start to focus a bit more on reviewing a lot of the work that we've done uh, with the creative team to get that feedback in uh, and start to push things um, along. And then I would say more towards the end of the week is when uh, can take a little bit of a breather, uh, make sure that everything is 
on track, uh, try to refocus what we're going to do for the next week, see if there's anything that we need to deprioritize uh, and have some fun brainstorms for upcoming projects. You know, there's so much to do in the day to day, but we like to also make space for having those brainstorm meetings where we can think about kind of what our dreams are, what are the types of things that we hope to get done. And if you don't make space for that, then it'll always fall to the bottom of your to-do list. So holiday time is a busy time in Mm -hmm. fitness, um, but you know, things are a little bit quieter at work. And so we do try to, in those down time periods, have things that people can work on that are more kind of fun pet projects. Okay. Um, And and earlier you said, you know, something that was magic to my ears. It's uh, Asana, obviously ClassPass is using Asana. And so like a a lot of these conversations, these check-ins like throughout the week, obviously there's a lot happening. Are are these all pre-scheduled stand-ups that are happening throughout the week? Is it kind of an as-needed basis and you send a quick message or like how does that communication typically happen behind the scenes? Our roadmap meetings are you know, they're bi-weekly, they're on the calendar, they are set in stone. Mm-hmm. The the review meetings that we have, the process works that when a task comes in or a new project comes my way, uh, I set up, when are we going to do the uh, review one, right? Our R1, our R2, when our finals do. And based on the scope of that project, the people working on it and the details in that brief, I determine if we need to meet live or if we can have this conversation in the deck or in the Figma file or write on the Asana task. So that decision is made up front. Um, It's made by me and I always open it up to feedback. So I say, I think we can just chat about this. And if someone says, no, I think we should meet, then we certainly will meet. And then those meetings are all scheduled. So our holiday planning, which is, which is underway, uh, December calendar is getting a bit booked with these, these in-person reviews, but we, uh, we constantly go through the process of retroing any large scale projects that we do. And we've learned that sometimes these in-person reviews, the feedback is actually faster, right? So I'm not the one, I'm not one to do a meeting for meeting sake, but uh, if we can just chat it out quickly, then we can actually uh, bring clarity. And I think that's something that's really important when you're working across time zones. There's that sweet spot, right? Between 9.30 and 11.30 when most people are working and it's a really great time to connect live because that comment that someone from the UK left at 5 PM, their time that doesn't get read by someone in New York until they're offline really delays uh, moving something forward. So, so I determine if we should, if we should meet um, in person, we are going through an exercise now though, where we are doing a bit of an audit on what are our regularly scheduled meetings? What are the Slack channels that we're using how can we make sure that we're having the right meetings and we're using the right Slack channel so mm. we're not getting too bogged down with communication for communication's sake? Yeah. How often is that happening, that, that audit? That's really interesting. We kicked off the process, I'm going to say March 10th, and we said, this is going to be a great project. <laughs> We're going to audit everything. And then March felt 10th, like the world. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. March 10th, 2020. Yeah. This is a great project. We got a spreadsheet going. We listed out all of our Slack channels, all of our meetings, uh, and then everything was put on hold. So mm-hmm. about a month ago, we said, let's pick this up. Let's try to get this project done by the end of the year so we can start 2021 uh, with a clean slate. But I would say once a quarter, we do go through that exercise of how 
how often are we having this meeting? Does it make sense to have it this much? And mm -hmm. I'm sure many people are experiencing in the work from home uh, situation that several people are in is some meetings that you were having probably could have been, you know, just an update. Yeah. But you have to balance that because now it is you're not seeing a lot of people in person. So you've added some meetings to that, right? So I would actually encourage everyone to go through this exercise for the new year. What did COVID do to your calendar, right? Have have that meeting and try yeah. to clean it up before you go into another year of more of the same. It's so good. So important. Yeah. Always be looking, always be assessing where are we at, what are the redundancies, you know, look in, in internally right and see where your own bottlenecks um and so obviously with you like you have 10 plus years experience in the project management space the, the current systems that you're managing rolling out um you know how, how many of them are new how many of them are constantly evolving with your team how many were inherited and what are you taking from 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 the past that you're implementing now at class pass you know from your your grubhub days what does that look like in as far as like process improvement goes yeah so i and I inherited Asana at ClassPass, but that was um, a great gift to inherit. When I inherited it, we were only managing creative requests in Asana. Everyone was working outside of it, but if they needed a visual resource, then they popped it into Asana. Uh, now we're in a place where everyone on the marketing team is using it, and most of the teams that we collaborate with are also using it. So that mm -hmm. took you know two years, I would say, that the pandemic um, was my thought partner in this and helped kind of speed up that journey for our team uh, because it became more critical. But I constantly, there are times I go through a, a reflection where I say, am I, am I a good project manager? I feel like I'm mm -hmm. always changing how we work, but how we work is always changing. Right. And so you want to build um, a good foundation for how you work as a team because your team is not going to, be able to adapt and change how they work on a monthly basis, um, but you still have to adapt with the team, right? We we were a domestic and international marketing team. We became a global team. That had to come with some changes. And the more that you allow the evolution to happen, the more that people feel more of a sense of agency with the process and are more engaged with it, right? Because they see that you're not stuck in your ways and they wanna grow with it too. And so when they give a suggestion, I'm always open to suggestions and I'm always trying to find the fastest and easiest way uh, yeah. to do something. And so when someone sees a spot where we could be doing something better, um, that's a great opportunity for us to improve. Something I think that I really brought with me from Grubhub is when I worked at Grubhub uh, on the account management team, the project was heavily dependent on product and engineering. They didn't build what we needed. We couldn't move forward. Mm. And so there was a ton of cross collaboration there. And at any company and at ClassPass, we, we do collaborate with other teams. I would say before I started, we weren't always using the same tools for our work across teams. And so there was a lot of work to translate what we were doing into a format that was digestible for what this other team was doing. And that's, that's just extra work, right? And so I'm a big fan of not doing work twice. Yeah. And I think something that I've been able to bring to our team is to say, are we going to work on this project for a while with this other team? And can we onboard them into Asana? Or can we mm. figure out how best are they working? How best are we working? And where can we find these synergies? Because I just... I 
I'm very quick to reject a copy-paste exercise. Uh, and I think that's very common mm-hmm. at companies to say, you don't use my tool. Let me put this in an email. And that's where things get lost in the copy-paste. Yeah. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. And like, I was going to ask you how you handle change management. It's almost like you were, you know, seeing where I was going with it. But um, I, I can only imagine with the different departments, different teams, and you know, everyone being displaced. Can you talk about how your teams are set up? Like you, you're working with the marketing team a lot. I can imagine there's a huge like sales and support side, and then there's developers and IT people. So are are you managing the the changes across all of those departments, or are you working with the team leaders, department heads, to make sure that those changes are you know being implemented and you know being picked up on and adapted really quickly? So our our marketing team works in Asana. Our product and engineering team is mostly in Jira, okay. which. I think makes sense and is a great tool and we've yeah. found ways to integrate and that process works. Although I do have on my agenda for this week, they need a calendar from us of everything we're doing over holiday. And I thought, okay, this seems like a copy paste. Let's figure out a way to export our Asana calendar so they can view it or just give them access. Um, in terms of, uh, of change management, something that I have been focusing on in 2020 is, is onboarding all the other teams that are using Asana onto Asana because any other team outside of marketing that was using it was just using it lightly when they were getting added to something because we were adding them into it saying, hey, can you review this task? Or they had one way of doing it. So essentially what was a great opportunity was that we upgraded our Asana uh, to business. We were not on business and it came with all of these new features. So I took the time over the summer to come up with this master Asana training deck that's, you know, 80 slides long on everything that you can do with Asana. And then I've reached out to each department head to say, if, if you want to talk to me about how you're using it, we can brainstorm on a better way for you to use it. And then I will train your team on it. And that's been really effective because it gives that, that team lead or that department head the opportunity to kind of pass the buck off to me and say, you're driving this bus. I don't have to come down as the, as the process czar and say, this is how we're doing things. Right. We're going to look to you as an expert and then you can be sort of our consultant. So I, I kind of operate at ClassPass as our Asana consultant across yeah. teams. And so it's great. I sat in a meeting the other day where someone said, oh, Marina, who uses Asana a lot and Carrie who loves Asana, they're both on this call, sounds like what we're talking about, we could just put in Asana. So the more people that I've brought over to that side, the more likely it is that in other meetings, people will know that that's a good tool for us to use together. Right. Um, it's almost like you're, you're the keeper of Asana, which is what they, they, they call me a ditto. Um, I, I can imagine. Yes. Yeah. All things, but yeah, it's such a great tool. Um, and I don't know if you just saw um, some of the new um, integrations that they rolled out, which I think will help your development team as well. If you Definitely. are you know, having some of that crossover, um, yeah. I, want to, I want to go back to something you said a little bit ago, um, you know, when there's like work happening and, you know, some things are copy and paste and it's an email and then things are getting lost and people don't know what's going on. And like, there's this, this concept that, you know, there is this work about work, right. In air quotes where, you know, there's all the in-between stuff, the where is this file, the when is that 
do, you know, who's responsible for this, you know? And so there's all these things that keep us from being able to get the work done and being most efficient, especially now with displaced teams and people all over the world. And so I want to know, how does that translate in your organization within ClassPass? And how do you work to eliminate this work about work with your team? Work about work is so tough and I I want a better solution. And so I look forward to listening to more episodes of this podcast to hear how people are, are going about tackling this problem. I, I would say that the work about work uh, in its current state, I try to absorb it. Mm. It's not great for me personally to do that. Uh, but if a bunch of different people are trying to clean things up or copy and paste that's when everything gets lost. And I always tell people on my team, I want you to focus on what you do best. Mm -hmm. If what you do best is our paid social ads, I want you to do that. And if you are a copywriter, I want you to write copy. I want you to do that. And everything that's happening that's noise, just send that all my way. Mm -hmm. And I'll come in as this cleanup crew and I'll discard what we don't need. I'll tidy some things up um, and I'll get us to the place that we need to be. Now that obviously means that that falls on me to do, but I want part of my role in a project management and ops is to make sure that everything is organized. And if I know that people are working on what they're best at, mm -hmm. it's almost like then they're not interfering with the process and the cleanup and, you know, not to say like, oh, they're going to do it wrong, but I want people to stay focused on, on what they're good at. And something I've actually kind of struggled with in an but ops they, role but, is, but they probably will do it wrong. Right. Right. And yeah. it's, it's something I've struggled on in, an, with an ops role is sometimes finding those, how do you define success in an ops role at the end of the year when yeah. you're asking for a promotion? Right. And I always want to, draw this line of see how all these other people met their success metrics. Yeah. It was because I was back here making sure that they had the bandwidth to do that and they weren't kind of bogged down in the in the day to day. But I think another solution though too is, you know, at some point you do have to get more people involved. And one way to really think about work about work is the minute you see oh no, this is not going to scale, or this could get messy. You have to take the step back then, or else it's going to get to that point where you just can't go back and you won't have time to clean it up. And it's so hard to make time to do those types of things. But if you know you're working December 29th and you know your office is quiet on Slack and Zoom, you know it's a good time to to find those cleanup projects. So every year I try to go through that exercise of even just cleaning out my own Google Drive, getting everything kind of set up for for a new year and set up for success. Yeah, awesome. Um, just you know going back to that whole you know concept of cleaning up and everyone kind of you know bringing stuff to you to kind of sort out and organize. I know I've been guilty of you know maybe moving too quickly or changing things without um, going through the proper process of things, right? And then having there be bottlenecks or um, things slowing down in our process as a result of me thinking this makes sense. This is what we need to do. We don't need this anymore. Removing it from the process and then having your team wonder. Where did that thing go? What happened? So with you, like, 
Um, I, I know your role is, is a larger one, but do you feel that your, your process improvement process is currently siloed? I mean, is it? And then, you know, how do you um, communicate those changes to your team? Or do you just expect, expect them to, you know, review the latest SOP, bring themselves up to speed, or is that happening in your, in your weekly um, roadmap meetings as well? Most changes are communicated via a Slack channel. That's where we kind of go through updates. I try really hard to bucket together any process improvements that we're going to do for the team mm. if they do have a direct impact on team members. And so I also try to I, I try to pitch most of my process improvements as a test. Okay. Hey, I made this change. I think it's going to be great could be total garbage. Um, and we're going to see how it goes. And I will correct you along the way if you're not following the process, right? So here are some details. Don't worry about memorizing it. I'll kind of be that police saying, hey, thanks for dropping this in, but you actually need to drop it in over here now, right? Mm -hmm. Just a heads up and kind of treat it as someone is if they're new, that's how we would we would onboard them. But kind of making these little tweaks here and there without telling people is a bit challenging because people will notice and then they're going to think every time I go into this tool, something is different and something looks different. And how can I ever do it right in Carrie's way if Carrie's way is always changing? So I think since the pandemic, we've had three kind of full Asana trainings, right? Sort of, okay. this is how we're working now that we're one team. This is how we're working now that we're business on the business plan. And this is how we're working because it's been seven months and nothing has changed in the mm -hmm. world. And so here are some new tips and tricks. Um, and then I try to keep it, keep those large scale changes for those moments. So that way people don't feel too overwhelmed. Okay. And I want to know more about like how you actually manage those projects. I mean, are there any styles that you find that you go to um, with the marketing team? Are they used to a certain way of working? Whereas in Jira, I can assume that the project team or sorry, development team is more working on like a Kanban style, right? And so like, what does that look like inside of Asana for you? Are you setting them up the same every single time or does it depend on, you know, that, you know, rollout or new feature or whatever the case may be? We have a few different templates that we use uh, for any project that we're going to do in a week or two, whether it be a new social post, an update to a web page. Um, the process uh, follows that the, the channel owner submits that as a request in Asana, right? So they would build out their project, then they would submit uh, the creative request. And then that's when we would decide if we'd have a live kickoff or we'd have a, just a kickoff kind of via chat. Um, and then we follow the review one, review two, finals, uh, localizations, right? Because we're in nine different languages, update all of those visuals, done, cross it off. And so a lot of our, our work kind of follows through, through that. We've recently built in an additional layer at the review stage where we now have subtasks for uh, driver feedback and the creative lead feedback. Um, it's only been about two months that we've been doing that. I think it has been an instrumental change, um, super positive. Uh, we were hearing, I was hearing from people that it was confusing if the feedback was done. Because hmm. anyone else going to weigh in? Who's waiting? Now we have this this process where we can say it's completely checked off. And the ownership has now switched over to me that once 
both of those tasks are checked off, I can move mm -hmm. it to the next stage. Um, so we're doing a little bit more of a, a intentional baton handing over. So that way people feel unlocked and ready to move on to the next task. Um, okay. but we also have templates for, for projects that maybe don't require creative or just follow a different process, right? So we host a lot of webinars for our partners and that's a whole other series of tasks of getting panelists, getting bio, setting up the mm. WebEx, inviting people. So we use a template and it's set up on a two week uh, start and end date. We have a new webinar, just use that template. Beautiful. Everything is already filled out and ready to go, which is great. And then our, our conversion rate team uh, they kind of converted to Asana this summer. They were using a different tool and now they're kind of all in. Uh, any any large scale experiments that they're running, we create entirely new projects for those because they do follow kind of a unique set of steps. Uh, but we're starting to get a good playbook on that, right? So anytime we're launching this new product, uh, we, we're starting to get a better handle on these are the 17 things that marketing needs to do. So actually after this call, that's my work for the rest of the day is creating a template we can use uh, for our markets when they switch over from being open to partially open to closed. So I would say we have a few different ways of working, but there's a way of working for, for each type of project that mm. we do. Amazing. Um, interesting. You, you, you mentioned playbook there. That reminds me, um, I was listening to um, Trainual's um, Chris Ronzio recently um, mm -hmm. preceding the, the Afterplay um, online conference, and he'd interviewed Nicole Wolf um, from, from Class oh, yes. Pass, and, and she was yeah. talking a bit about that. So like, I'm curious, like, what does that playbook look like? Like for us um, at Ditto, we have everything in Asana. I mean, like typically you see organizations that have, you know, knowledge or SOPs inside Google um, Docs or uh, a thick binder, you know, at, at one point in the past, or um, are you guys using Confluence for that? Is everything in Asana? Um, where, where are you putting all of that knowledge where people can, you know, go to quickly? Is it searchable? Can you talk a bit more about that? Yeah, our, our playbooks mostly live in Google Docs, although it would be nice to link them in Asana, which would make sense. Uh, you should just we, do it. Right? Just yeah. throw them in there. Easy to find. Yeah. Uh, we uh, recently started aggregating all of our different onboarding resources, which probably seems like relate mm -hmm. to the game on that. But onboarding was something that each manager was doing separately and we're trying to get a little bit cleaner on that process. And so we started dropping in marketing team meetings. Here's the Asana uh, deck on everything that you need to do. Mm -hmm. So we're starting to put um, our Google Doc playbooks in there. We probably have five or six right now. Um, and we really just... We probably have a few more that we need to create, but we really just try to update the ones that we have. And going through that retro after every project is so critical because, yeah. you know, we plan for the holidays in fitness every year yeah. and you're just not going to remember what fire you put out on January 1st of, of 2019 for up to 2021, right? So now we have this new year's playbook and we just keep adding everything every single year. So when you're in a meeting, Hey, what did we do last year for best of class pass awards? Boom, here it is. And it's been a great way for us to really capitalize on those learnings, but we can probably do a better job of systematizing some of those learnings so that yeah. way you don't have to read through it each time, right? You just 
you just know that you're supposed to build in a week for translations because you set up a template in Asana that does that. That's it. And you may have just said it, you know, when, when you talked about, you know, going through the SOPs and your retro and, you know, making adjustments as you kind of go. But what is one thing that you would say to owners of organizations, you know, when it comes to, you know, either process documentation or improvement, you know, what are they really not considering when it comes to all the things that we're that we're referencing today? I think a lot of companies think that what they're working on is is unique and that they can't learn from it because they're not going to do it again. And that's just not true, right? So if you had to launch, a, you know, a whole new live stream product because of the pandemic, I think some people will say, well, hopefully this pandemic won't happen again. We're never going to have to do this live stream pivot again. So we don't need to make a playbook for this because this exact scenario is not going to happen again. And hopefully that is true yeah. that there won't be a pandemic where you have to come up with live stream again, but there's definitely things that went well about that, that you'll want to apply elsewhere. And there are definitely things that didn't go well that you would want to learn from. And so I think this mindset that this is, this is unique. This is a one-off, mm. right? It's actually pretty rare that something is truly a one-off. So we launched a new product over the summer that was geared towards a different type of live stream. And, you know, we've decided to revive it a bit and we've already done that retro, but a lot of the stuff we learned from that retro we're using for holiday planning, okay. right? Because it wasn't about the content of the project. It was about the way that we collaborated on that project. So it can be tough to make time for documentation. I totally get that. But the first step is just do the debrief, right? Yeah. You don't have to sit and just say, hmm, how should we do this next year? Just focus on what you're working on now and build in those debriefs afterwards. And you'll start getting those learnings and you'll know what playbooks you need to create from that. That's good. Any, any quick tips for, you know, that busy person on the go? Obviously, you have a lot on the go. It's not always easy to remember to go back and reference that document. I, I know for me, it works really well where I just make a quick voice note on my phone of a change I need to make or something I need to update. Any, any quick tips for those busy on the go execs, people in leadership, just to help with that? I think it's important to have one place where you keep your to-dos. If it is in Asana, great. If it's on a piece of paper, great. A lot of people use a lot of different systems, which mm -hmm. is why they don't necessarily work. So yeah. some people will say, oh, you know what? This would be a great activity for me to do Friday afternoon. I'm less busy. I'm going to put a calendar block from three to five to work on this documentation. Right. But then my boss asked me to look into this holiday gift. So I'm going to write that down on this post-it over here. So I'll look at that later. And then wouldn't it be fun if we could take on this new project? I'll create an Asana task and I'll set the due date for two weeks. Mm. You know, Friday afternoon rolls around you get busy, you don't do the thing on your calendar block, where are you supposed to put that now? So if voice memo is the way to go, then put everything in a voice memo, right? Mm -hmm. But it's finding a home for all of those things you need to do. And then maybe instead of putting a calendar block to do a specific thing, put a calendar block to visit that list of things that you tend not to get to. Mm -hmm. um, Gretchen Rubin, who wrote The Happiness Project and has some great books about kind of happiness and productivity, she does what she calls a power hour. So she sets aside an hour 
and she keeps a list of things all week to do during power hour. And these are things that you don't have to do them right now. I don't have to do them today. But when you get that free moment, you're like, oh, I might have downtime. Yeah. She can consult this list and she knows what she can get done in that time. That's so good. I'm going to link that book in the in the show notes. Really, really great read. Um, what does your tech stack look like? We're already talking about tech and best practices and systems. What does your tech stack look like? How are you getting through your day? Yeah, so we're, we currently use, we use Jira, we use Asana, we use mm -hmm. Slack, um, and we're really big into Google Docs, Google Sheets. Um, that's, that's probably the main mm -hmm. tools that we're using that aren't internal tools. Yeah. Um, we've started to consolidate a bit, you know, we were using Airtable and Rike on a few teams, but we've since moved most of that over uh, to Asana, which is great. And I, I will say that the G Suite is is uh, the sweet spot for a lot of, of folks. So I think that, you know, it's good to have one spot where we can link docs and we can work because there are moments where, yeah, you know, your C-suite don't necessarily want to be tagged uh, in an Asana uh, mm. task to give an update, right? So you do need those docs to link out to. Um, we're trying to get better about how we use Slack as a way to communicate because there are so many Slack channels that it can be a distraction yeah. um, and unclear what they're what we're using it for. So actually as part of the meeting audit process we're doing, we are doing that Slack channel um, audit process to find a better way to name them, um, a better use for each channel that, that we're in. So that way you don't get too stuck trying to find everything. I would say we, we have consolidated what we use, but it's still probably a little bit challenging. Uh, you know, when something pops up and you're like, did someone send that to me in a Slack yeah. or was that a document? Or did my phone ring? Like, how did I get this information? Uh, it's still a little bit challenging to, to find. <laughs> yep, we all go through it. It's all there. That's why it's important, like you said, to just have one place where it all goes and uh, everyone aware of that one place. Um, wh where can people connect with you, Carrie? People can connect with me on my website, SoVeryCarrie.co. Um, that's where you can learn more about my project management philosophies. Um, outside of ClassPass, I do a lot of one-to-one -one mentorships with people that are looking to add a bit more organization to their lives. Mm -hmm. uh, and I also do virtual lunch and learns at companies uh, for at a company level or at a team level. If you're looking to just get a new project going and you're stuck and you want some outside help, uh, you can learn more about um, how I can help there. Um, and you can follow me on Instagram at SoVeryCarrie, um, essentially at SoVeryCarrie. SoVeryCarrie was my AOL screen name mm. in 2002, wow. uh, and it lives on to this day. But don't try to find me on AOL. That is long gone. I feel like we need a little soundbite in there. Right. Um, You've for, got mail. Bring yeah. us back. That's awesome. Yeah. Thanks so much for being on the show today, Carrie. If you like what you heard today, please like, subscribe, and follow on your preferred channel. If you know of a friend or colleague that would benefit from hearing this conversation, please share it with them so that we can reach more listeners just like you. As always, all the links from today's talk will be in the show notes. And remember, if it isn't documented, it didn't happen. We'll see you next time.